Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We continue looking at books that were given away as Christmas gifts between the years 1981 and 2017 by the First Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to various other general authorities in the church, as well as many employees of the LDS Church. We ended yesterday's show by talking about the subject of hunting and how that topic was handled in a book, Gospel Doctrine, that is a collection of sermons and writings by the sixth president of the church, Joseph F. Smith. But we ended the show by citing Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, a book that was given out in 1991 regarding that same topic, the topic of hunting. We want to continue looking at the teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith. This was compiled by Joseph Fielding Smith, the 10th president of the church. And we're going to look at some statements that were made by Joseph Smith that are found in this book, a book that was given away as a Christmas gift. And as we've been explaining throughout this series, you would think that if the first presidency felt to give this book as a gift, they must have believed what was in that book and, of course, wanted the reader to believe what's in it as well. But today we're going to begin looking at pages 156 and 57 of Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith. It says, I will give you one of the keys of the mysteries of the kingdom. It is an eternal principle that has existed with God from all eternity. Let me stop you there, Eric, because when I read that this eternal principle has existed with God from all eternity, in the context of Mormonism, what God are we talking about? And the reason I ask that is because if this is an eternal principle, it makes sense that you would have to have someone who is eternal in order to give the principle. But yet he says it existed with God from all eternity. But yet Joseph Smith, this same Joseph Smith in the same book on page 345 says, we've imagined and supposed that God was God from all eternity. I will refute that idea and take away the veil so that you may see. So Joseph Smith teaches that that his God is not the God from all eternity, that he had a beginning as God, not that he didn't exist eternally as intelligences like the rest of us, according to section 93 in the Doctrine and Covenants. But when he talks about this eternal principle that existed with God from all eternity, we have to ask the question, who is he talking about? There is no God from all eternity in the context of Mormonism. There just isn't. How many gods there are, I do not know, but there never was a time when there were not gods and worlds, according to Brigham Young, the second president of the LDS Church. So I think that's a fair question to ask. Who is he talking about here? He continues, that man who rises up to condemn others, finding fault with the church, saying that they are out of the way, while he himself is righteous, then know assuredly that that man is on the high road to apostasy, and if he does not repent, will apostatize as God lives. So he switches gears here from talking about these eternal principles, these mysteries of the kingdom, to 
rebuking anybody in his church who thinks that they have the authority to find fault with the church and criticize them for doing something that they obviously personally feel they are doing incorrectly. If you do that in the LDS church, as Joseph Smith says here, you are on the high road to apostasy. This is why you don't often find members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints publicly offering criticism to the leadership in the church. It's not that that's never happened in the past, but many times, especially in years past, not so much right now, but in years past, if you did that, you would be disciplined. You would either be disfellowshipped from the church or, even more extreme, you would be excommunicated from the church. Another citation from the book is on page 21, and it says, I will inform you that it is contrary to the economy of God for any member of the church or anyone to receive instruction for those in authority higher than themselves. Now, this is on page 21 of Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith. It's not next to, of course, page 156, 157 that we just read you. But the themes are pretty similar, wouldn't you agree, Eric? Because when he says, I will inform you that it is contrary to the economy of God for any member of the church or anyone to receive instruction for those in authority higher than themselves. And leaders have used that quote many times. In fact, uh, we have one from L. Tom Perry, who was an apostle of the church in the Ensign, the conference edition, November 2003, page 86, cites this in a talk that he gave, we believe all that God has revealed, because the leaders want to make sure the membership knows that they're in charge, they're the ones who form doctrine, and this goes back to the very beginning of the religion. So what do we do with many of those apologists in the LDS church who think that they can be critical of statements made by earlier leaders. Or let's say a professor at Brigham Young University who teaches his students that some things that the prophets of the past have taught are incorrect or should not be taken seriously. What do we do with them? Well, this is why when I'm having a conversation with a Latter-day Saint, and they want to be critical of, let's say, a person like Brigham Young or even a Mormon apostle like Bruce McConkie. And McConkie said a lot of things that were pretty controversial. I don't think he was really out of line in the context of Mormonism with much of what he said. I think his biggest sin was that he was just too blunt about it and it gave Mormons very little wiggle room to escape what he really meant by what he was saying. But when I have Mormons criticize their leaders or say that they don't agree with them, I look at that as a concession that these leaders should not be believed. And if they don't want to believe their own leaders, why do you think we should? In other words, when a Latter-day Saint criticizes what their leaders have taught in the past, they're not really selling Mormonism very well. And if they don't want to agree with their leaders, then I see no responsibility on my part to believe them either. Uh, citation on page 368, Joseph Smith said, When did I ever teach anything wrong from this stand? When was I ever confounded? I want to triumph in Israel before I depart hence and am no more seen. I never told you I was perfect, but there is no error in the revelations which I have taught. How many times have I talked to a Latter-day Saint where when I'm citing Joseph Smith, they respond by saying, well, Joseph Smith wasn't perfect. He was a flawed man just like the rest of us. 
in those conversations, I'm not really trying to make a case that I was expecting Joseph Smith to be perfect and virtuous in all areas of life. What I'm trying to get across to the Latter-day Saint when I cite Joseph Smith is based on exactly this, what he said regarding what he taught. When he said, I want to triumph in Israel before I depart hence and am no more seen, I never told you I was perfect. And I think here he's speaking to virtue and never making any type of human flaw or mistake. But then he goes on, but there is no error in the revelations which I have taught. That would also include the revelation that God was not God from all eternity. He's not making a mistake there, folks. He's admitting that what he says in this and other teachings should be accepted as truth from God himself. So when you cite Joseph Smith, you might want to remember this citation from page 368 in the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith. Now remember, Joseph Fielding Smith put this book together. He inserted all these quotations, and this book was given away as a Christmas gift in 1991 by the First Presidency at that time. So they obviously believed what Joseph Smith was saying. Now, Bill, when we're trying to hold their feet to the fire, I think oftentimes we're going to hear this citation on page 278 of the same book from a Latter-day Saint who's going to try to get out of what maybe a former leader has said, because this is saying Wednesday, February 8th, this morning, it's talking about Joseph Smith's journal, this morning I read German and visited with a brother and sister from Michigan who thought that, quote, a prophet is always a prophet, quote, end quote, but I told them that a prophet was a prophet only when he was acting as such. I can't even count how many times I've heard that statement from members of the LDS Church that I've been talking to one-on-one. It seems to be the escape clause, that if you bring up something that Joseph Smith said, that they are having a difficult time believing, or let's say I'm having a difficult time believing, they say, well, yeah, but a prophet is not always a prophet. He's only a prophet when he was acting as such. Well, was he acting as a prophet when he said there's no error in the revelations which he has taught? Was he acting as a prophet when he said that? And how do I know he was acting as a prophet when he said that a prophet is only a prophet when he's acting as such? And the reason why I question this is because if you look at the context, as you said, this is from Joseph Smith's journal. He says, this morning I read German and visited with a brother and sister from Michigan. They were the ones, he said, erroneously believed that a prophet is always a prophet. He's having a private conversation with a couple who belong to his church that have a question about something, and he's merely explaining it. This is not a general conference message. This doesn't become a part of any general conference message till later on, When Mormon leaders felt they better throw that into a conference message because conference messages are supposed to be the voice of God speaking through his servants. Now it becomes official. How convenient. Well, it seems like many Latter-day Saints want there to be a thus saith the Lord that precedes whatever it is that we're pointing to that they may not like, but there's no thus saith the Lord here, and it's not voted upon by the general membership. And I thought that's how doctrine is supposed to come by having the membership agree to what has been said in a public format, not in a private setting. You would think so, and that certainly shows an inconsistency. But even when it comes to prefacing a statement with thus saith the Lord, 
that has also been refuted because many of the revelations in the Doctrine and Covenants don't begin with that phrase. It was J. Reuben Clark, a member of the First Presidency, and this is cited in Teachings of the Living Prophets, 1982 edition, page 21. This is what he said. There are those who insist that unless the prophet of the Lord declares, thus saith the Lord, the message may not be taken as a revelation. This, he said, is a false testing standard. For while many of our modern revelations, as contained in the Doctrine and Covenants, do contain those words, there are many that do not. So a Latter-day Saint couldn't even use that as an argument. They can't say, well, he didn't say, thus saith the Lord, therefore it shouldn't be taken seriously. That's not what J. Reuben Clark said, and I think in the context of Mormonism, you would have to say that J. Reuben Clark was accurate. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism. All of us at Mormonism Research Ministry want to thank you for listening to Viewpoint on Mormonism. We are honored to provide effective information that hopefully encourages you to share your Christian faith with friends and loved ones. As with all missionary organizations, the generous support of friends like you is necessary for effective ministry. During this holiday season, would you prayerfully consider a year-end donation to MRM to help give us a much-needed financial boost into the new year? Your tax-deductible gifts are much appreciated and will be used to further our efforts at MRM.